Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, I'm talking to Luke Butterworth. He is the co-founder and COO of Just Cook Kitchens. Welcome to the show, Luke. Thanks, Lance. I really appreciate it. So, Luke, before we get into your business, tell me what do you think are three things that every entrepreneur needs to know? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I think a lot of these things are, are you know, some somewhat generic, like they sound generic, um, but but I, I think it comes down to there, there's a certain level of of perseverance um, that that I've I've experienced firsthand and with numerous different great entrepreneurs that I've met um, that you really have to have uh, a bit of a, a bit of a thick skin. So that the period of perseverance is, is one of the toughest things uh, that you actually have to hold on to <laughs> in order to, in order to fight through because not everything works right away. Um, in fact, yeah. the majority of great ideas don't. <laughs> and that's, yeah. and that's typically yeah. uh, the, the challenge that really comes, comes behind it. So when you're first coming into entrepreneurship, uh, a lot of things are very rosy. You know, it's all based on kind of those dopamine hits that you're getting because you're getting these small, <laughs> awesome things. Um, so, so to persevere and to actually get at the other side is is the first one that I want any entrepreneur to kind of keep in the in the front of their mind that there is going to be a few moments where you have to come back around to you know hold your composure um, that it's that it's it's really it's going to be more of a marathon right so that's yep. that's number that's number 1 um number 2 i think is is that your first idea is probably not going to be the one that really comes out the other side in a polished yeah. form <laughs> so so uh and a lot of my advice will be this way I and mean, things are iterative by the very nature um entrepreneurship and and numerous different people kind of uh, are going to push on this, this line of thinking, um, everything, th you know, from kind of the startup one-on-one packages all the way through to, uh, to Peter Thiel's, you know, zero to one is some things are going to be iterative, um, almost always. And so be prepared to come in with a great idea initially, try to get your monopoly, <laughs> but the odds are that that starter idea is not going to be the other one that's going to come out the other side. So, so be prepared to change it. And, yep. and everyone uses pivots. Pivots sound extreme, right? Pivots sound like, uh, like Ross and from friends going upstairs and, and aggressively saying pivot and that the whole team is going to have to listen. And then that's going to be a, that's going to be a really tough thing, but they're actually much smaller, smaller tweaks and changes. Every time you hear something back from a, from uh, your customer, just, who you're actually supposed to care about and where your focus is supposed to be. So every time you hear something, you're, you're going to make these small changes and, and it's not, it's not always going to be dramatic and that's okay. So be iterative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I, I, I find it and, uh, and it's, it's not as common, but, uh, but that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs probably had one or two, attempts at this before they found any kind of success. So, so one and done is not the, the rule, right? Just like everything, they're kind of power laws. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to look like you were an overnight success, but it's very likely that you'll have a few cracks at the can and, uh, 
and they may not go. And that's, that's okay. If you're truly an entrepreneurship, it becomes kind of a state of being. So you're okay with, with pushing and creating and doing something interesting and, and notable. And maybe you're going after something big. You want to change a whole space. That's great. However, uh, the odds are, are not in your favor, <laughs> even though, even though we all want them to be. And so, uh, it's, it's more about accepting a couple of these things that you are going to have to try hard, that you are going to have to iterate. And that you might have to go through a couple of different ideas, right? And then that one that comes out at the end when you really like make it work um, is is going to make everything else worth it. <laughs> and yeah. so, so you you are going to have to go through those experiences. I went I went through you know next next thirty six and some other uh, accelerators and met great entrepreneurs, but but everyone's expecting that you know within a four month pattern of thinking going through classes or, or, uh, within that first year that they're really going to hit it and go, go Instagram <laughs> in terms of their size and their scale. But those are one-offs, you know, they're not the rule. Um, a lot of great entrepreneurs that, that do not necessarily hit it on their first one and on the last, some that do, and it becomes a great, um, caught, you know, cottage industry or lifestyle business. And, and that's okay as well. So, yeah, I, I really like what you said there in terms of uh, the a state of being uh, as entrepreneurs, yeah. we, we kind of embody a state of being. Uh, yeah. I haven't heard anybody quite describe it that way, but that yeah. is very much it. In most cases, like you said, uh, oh, it's something that I don't know, you get caught with the bitten by the bug, uh, so to speak, and you yeah. just keep trying. And so, yeah, the first business might not be the one that is going to be the one that you finish with and, and yeah. sell them. Is it in my case, it, it hasn't been. And I know you've done other ventures before yep. Yep. just cook kitchens as well. Right. And so we learn those lessons. And actually that's, that's one of the reasons for this podcast is to talk to entrepreneurs. Here's some of the things that, that they've done, uh, some of the things that they've uncovered, um, some of the mistakes they've made, um, and also some of the successes they've had and, and kind of allow our listeners to hopefully learn some lessons uh, through osmosis a little bit, yeah. <laughs> as opposed yeah. to the painful, costly way of doing it uh, traditionally, yeah. which is try and fail and try and fail and keep keep at it until you find right. uh, something that actually and, and everything's context specific, right? Like, and, yeah. that, and that's what I that's what I have really enjoyed. Um going through and meeting different people is that everyone has done it differently. <laughs> just yeah. like, just like, yeah. uh, you can learn to be a great golfer, but if you take a look at every one of the professional swings, they're not identical. Everyone yeah. has a different swing and they all got there kind of through a different path or a different teacher, different mentor, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. But, uh, everything's kind of context specific. So if, you know, if you need to build a, a small business that's, that's doing well and profitable and isn't going to raise VC dollars. Cool. You know, like who cares? That's great. That's wonderful. Yep. So be okay with that. Like, cause it's possible that you're not going to raise money. If your aspirations are to, are to go beyond that. Okay, fine. That means that you also need to figure out ways that your particular idea will scale with those, you know, power laws in mind that, you mm -hmm. know, for VCs or whatever it happens to be. Think about it from their perspective that you're probably going to have to return the whole fund if your company does well. So you've got these, you've got all these different thoughts. And from those three rules, you know, the first one kind of relates to the last one because you've got perseverance with an idea, but you have perseverance just in that state of being an entrepreneur. You know, it's, it's yeah. okay. It's okay to take the failures. It's okay to sit back. Um, 
to, to deal with, you know, your mental health and, and a little bit of exhaustion because you will have it <laughs> as, as every great entrepreneur has. I mean, you're just going to get beaten up like from every direction. And so as you, as you go through these things, um, yeah, you just have to be very open with a particular class of people, mainly other entrepreneurs uh, that'll understand, you know, you get the trials, the tribulations, the hardships that'll come along with it and the positives, right? And all the upsides. Yeah. And, uh, and, and what to take away from those things because it, it can be a really supporting network. That's why I love that. This is, you know, this is an idea. It's that, it's that startup therapy um, that you get to give back to everybody, and and that every uh, every story isn't told through rose glasses because, like, the rose glasses distort everything. They give you the, uh, I think they give you more of like the Instagram, right, filtered view of the world. Yeah, where, yeah, that's right. Like, everything is very, very good, and it's only good. And so the fact that you feel bad or it's, you know, you're having a tough time during this economy. You know, you're a one-off and, and nobody else is experiencing that. I think that's, uh, that's, that's what gets presented, but I don't think that's reality. By, no, by any no, it never, yeah. no, it never is. That's for sure. Now let's talk a little bit about your business so people understand yeah, what you're doing and uh, the context that you approach this topic of entrepreneurship from. And so you are somebody who are passionate about entrepreneurship but also very passionate about food. And you've kind of combined the two into this really unique venture, Just Cook Kitchen. So tell me a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish over there at Just Cook Kitchens and, and I guess the impetus behind the founding of this. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll start there. I mean, the, the impetus was uh, um, my brother and I had chatted quite a bit. He's an exec sous chef. That's what I actually brought him out to, uh, to Whistler because we were talking about that earlier that he's been hanging out there. Yeah. got out there as a, as a chef. And, and, um, as he went through, you know, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his early career, um, we got to see, you know, how much work he has to put in and how much is expected of him and how much creativity and artistry I know he has like just, just an absolute wealth of knowledge. He, he was able to, you know, hand make this uh, amazing sushi bar for like our, our, um, our engagement party and, Every time we get together, it's just, you know, <laughs> hurts my waistline, but it's, uh, it's incredible. And, and so him and I were chatting about like, kind of, kind of where he's taking his career and, and, uh, and maybe he could start his own thing. So we, we, you know, we went through the exercise and, and I, I hadn't spent a lot of time there. So I uncovered just how much it really takes to kind of get on your own two feet. And, uh, and I, and I, I, I was curious why it would take, you know, so much capital and the only way to do it was, was through this kind of r traditional restaurant model to build mm -hmm. something out and to scale it. And, and so <laughs> Jennifer and I, um, had both worked together, uh, at one of our first, first cracks at the, the can, um, and, uh, building at a telehealth company. And I really wanted to work with her again. Her whole family was from small food businesses and everything else. And, and so, uh, we got together to to basically solve this problem was how could we sort of empower the chef to get out and to create something of their own and maybe make some more money and 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 maybe not have to put in you know 60 90 100 hour weeks or whatever it happened to be and uh and <clears throat> to really reduce that barrier to entry you might not need um 
five other big investors and have to build out a giant place. Um, and so we, we got started with, uh, we thought about what kind of form factor, what form factor could we use to actually to solve this, to get, get great restaurateurs or aspiring chefs to kind of get out there and start building right away, right? With, with little to no delay. And so we built out a physical space. If that's what fifth street became right away. And now we've got a uh, station park. That's also uh, directly west of me right now, but that's going up on, on gateway and white Ave. And so that'll be another location. Um, but we, we really wanted to figure out how to get more exposure and how to put all this talent forward. And so we've had the great fortune of, of working with amazing restaurateurs to date. And uh, we, we keep interacting with more and we want to build out a bit more of this, this platform as we go um, to encourage not only getting into physical locations like the ones that we built that kind of gets people on their feet right away and to do either pop-ups or to run like longer term tenants. Um, but also uh, how can we enable them to, to do more, right. To do other, other types of catering or dinners or other things that gets their name out, their talent out ability to make a little bit more um, off the side of their desk uh, without having to do the same, you know, traditional hundred hour weeks. And so that's, that's been our impetus and and kind of the the track through. Um, and we've had some great supports from from investors south of the border and locally, and and uh, we just want to carry this forward. So at the end of the day, uh, any great chef can really join Just Cook. They can do the the cooking, the actual the element that they're so creative about, and we have a great service that's that's getting eaten up. Uh, literally and figuratively by, by, uh, yeah, by great yeah. clients that are out there in, in different markets. Yeah. And so, so just to be clear, so our listeners yeah. understand if they haven't, uh, you know, walked into one of your locations yet, it, you basically have a number of different chefs yeah. cooking within the same, um, physical space. Yeah. And so it's almost like a food court yeah. in a way physically, but then a lot of the sales from what I understand, are uh, takeout and delivery, right? And so yeah. there's um, takeout, delivery, and dine-in. Um, yeah. So I, everything's there. It's even full service at uh, at Fifth Street, and it's called a yeah. food hall. So the the way, the, uh, the medium that we we tried to build right away was a food hall. So we've got four different kitchens that we built out. One central bar. Um, we we even built out the the text so that you could order from the menus or do a tab system if you wanted to. And uh, that's very flexible. So we can actually take that whole system and build out other locations or do things that are a little bit more virtual, like go to a site um, somewhere else and run it. Um, and so at Fifth, yeah, you can go there. You can order four different different uh, restaurant tours, all of them independents. Um, you can order from a server or directly through the app. It all kind of depends what you're what you're feeling that day, if you want to interact with people or not. And, and then there's uh, all, all these delivery options that are through Skip and Uber and, you know, all the mains. Yeah. Yeah. And so now in terms of the, the, the structure there, there's a lot of talk about ghost kitchens. Yeah. Um, and so this isn't really a ghost kitchen, but it's no. not really 
your typical restaurant. And so yeah. it's, it's this mashup. And is this some, a model that you saw someplace else where you were replicating? Or is this something where you came up with that idea yourself as to mash these different trends that were happening all into one and, and put a physical location dine in as well? Yeah, so we, we'd seen um, we'd seen what was happening with ghost kitchens, uh, and then we also also saw the way that food halls had had operated as well um, overseas, especially. I think that was the big one: is that food halls took place a lot more in, in Europe, um, and they've slowly started making their way over to North America, and um, and we thought this this is really interesting as a as a medium to do this because it, it was always about creating one central space that was shared kind of communal great for a group to go out but then all of those chefs got to operate their businesses um, with all of that extra infrastructure already built out and so we we utilized that structure and then made sure that um, a a lot of what the food halls will do like overseas etc every every group will run their own own system so you walk up to each one of those one of those spaces and we want more like see- a food court then in a, yeah in a yeah and, in a lot of ways and and we wanted to uh, we wanted to change some of those elements um especially the tech part of it to make it flexible so that after we we'd done this at, at fifth street if you wanted to open up another site or run a pop-up somewhere else that that would be really easy for us to to replicate and so we we created the the entire operating system for the space as well. And then we've been iterating over that, you know, over this past year, like we were talking about earlier, when people don't like things, when customers don't like things, they, they bring them up, right? And, and yeah. especially in food, people tell you, like, if they don't like something, perfect, how do we change it? You know, what are those small tweaks that we can make to the system or to the experience or, you know, it was our first crack at the at this space. So we learned a lot over over the last year and now with the next space um, it's all about kind of combining those elements making sure that that hospitality piece is never left um, but you're still people's um, people's behaviors have changed right they, they yeah. still they like delivery they like takeout they they still really enjoy going out to a group setting you know getting together with people and having a drink um, they're doing a lot more that's closer to home so it's it's a it's an interesting shift in this in this uh, this world of food and restaurant tours, and so um, yeah, hoping but, to just keep supporting. Yeah, yeah. And the model that you have is obviously working, especially for the dine-in part, because uh, usually I find myself downtown now almost only when there's some event going on or totally. Oilers game or something like that, and. I can't get into your physical space because the lineup is out the door. It doesn't matter <laughs> what time of year it's been. It's really tough. And so uh, obviously it's a hit and, and it makes sense from the consumer's uh, point of view. You get a lot of options, right? When you walk in those doors, because you can order from all those different places and, and mix from, from all the different places, um, the four restaurants that are there. And it also really makes a lot of sense from the chef's perspective. I would think because like you said, they, they have this ability. It's almost like an incubator as well, but you have like all this infrastructure built around you. So as if you're a talented chef and you want to start doing something on your own to be able to come into a space, like what you guys have created would just really accelerate their ability to really focus on 
the the food of or the business of food yeah. without really focusing on the business part of it, right? And as much the infrastructure stuff, which bogs people down. And so I think it's just a brilliant model. Um, and so, do you rotate different people, uh, different restaurant tours or chefs yeah. through that space? It's, um, it's on about kind of graduate year. them out of it, or how does that work? Yeah, it's on about a year license so far. So um, we've worked with a, great, a couple of great. Uh, uh, restaurateurs that got in first year, um, a few that have stayed for, for the second. So they rolled over. Um, but that's generally what we're looking for is, you know, we, we really want to give uh, great chefs a chance to come in, to operate, to start to function. Um, if they're growing out into other, other sites, that's, that's fantastic. And if they're, if they're, if we're really getting them some exposure and uh, we can build additional services and products to, to kind of get their their name out there and to make more money, I, I think that that's really what it all comes down to is, and that's, that's yeah. sort of our entire mission and vision is is to do this, but in in multiple different locations and and to have the the food halls <clears throat> like Station Park and and Fifth Street to really be a, an awesome cornerstone that you can go to a physical experience, and then how are there ways for us to get the chefs even outside of some of these spaces or support more chefs than the physical spaces um, contain so that we can, we can build a bigger platform for them. And so that's kind of what we're, what we're getting into in this new year after this next place is up and, and how to advance it and what else we can release. And so it's, it's pretty exciting times, even, you know, on the cusp of all these, uh, <laughs> of all these recessionary talks. Um, I, I think there's still a lot of cool things happening out there and, and yeah. uh, happy to be part yeah. of it. Yeah, completely. And I, I want to get into the economic side of things too, sure. because there's a sure. lot of uncertainty there right now. But I, before we do that, I just wanted to uh, just ask you about the business model for yeah. for you for Just Cook Kitchens. And so, um, how does that work? What's where's your revenue streams coming from? I'd imagine there's some lease fees or something yeah. that the uh, that the uh, chefs have to pay. But is there other revenue streams part of the tech pack and so on? Yeah, we, we basically have built um, built out those physical spaces so that there's a, a rent and then a rev share, and uh, and then we operate the the bar. Um, so that's our, our primary rev share right now. And then we're starting to get into some events and some offsites um, where we're really just taking uh, essentially our our rev share off of off of some of the some of the events that we're running, and the rest is going towards the the food costs and, and the chefs, so they're able to take home. A little bit more when we're doing things offsite as well, and so it's a it's an easier thing. So it kind of scales. You know, there's the fixed cost of the rent for for the space, um, but that takes care of a lot of the base fees for the building and the lease and everything. And then outside of that, it's you know personnel costs and, and doing uh, um, whether it's you know cleanup or dishwashing, etc. All those things are are kind of covered underneath that rev share. And so it, yeah. it really, it really helps a lot of these groups just focus on their element and then also to start, you know, marketing their thing and starting to grow it. Um, so it's, it's a huge component of, of food is it's just your name has to be known. So it gives a little bit more time to focus in on that. Yeah. So with regard to that, the marketing yeah. side of things, is the marketing done under the Just Cook Kitchens brand or do the individual uh, business brands within the, the, the restaurateurs, are they developing their own brands um, yeah. adjacent or like, how does that 
but they're both uh, both happening. So there's there's Just Cook. So we'll we'll always show them off and spotlight them any chance we we can get. So just by virtue of being in there, we're always going to to give them um, a spotlight always. But the next part of it is as a brand yourself, you always want to get yourself up and 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 have some more exposure. So that that becomes a, a key component as well is when you're in there, you also want to be developing what are those tools? Um, how can you get your name out there? Uh, do you want to run certain specials? Do you want to have a, an event? What, what's going to work well for for that particular chef and their brand and and getting more exposure? I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's just such a key facet because, you know, we would love to love to be able to build every business, but it, it, it would be a, you know, a little bit impractical at the, at the end of the day. And so we want to give them as much exposure as we can, and then also encourage, get your name out there and, and really build up your brand. So regardless if you're with us or, or somewhere else that people recognize you and they know your food quality, they know you by name, um, and you can really carry that forward. Yeah. And and so if I was to order something uh, from one of the restaurants in uh, Skip or Uber Eats, am I uh, searching just Cook Kitchens or am I ordering directly from their brands? You can order directly from each one of the brands. We also have uh, a Just Cook 5th Street location as well that has everything. So all of their stuff is in one place as well. Yeah. So you can order... Okay. You can either order from multiple different brands in one order, or if you kind of know what you already are going in for it, you can just go direct. Yeah. And, and that's another thing that I just love about the concept too, in that you've extended it into the delivery side of it is that ability to order from multiple all the, within the same order. Because I, I don't know about you, but uh, it seems like nowadays everybody has so much choice. And so, so if you narrow it down to one restaurant, when you're ordering in, it, it just seems like nobody can agree. It's like, well, I want this from this or I want that from that. Right. And exactly. so you guys are able to provide that, which is really unique for a lot of, uh, you know, in, in today's ordering yeah. in environment. So Ex you're meeting exactly. again, that consumer desire very well. Yeah. Yeah. It, just give okay. everybody a little bit more option. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, okay. So let's talk about the economics then um, and what's happening right now. There's all this talk about potential recession. We have an acceleration of, of uh, you know, food costs and delivery costs and everything else is going up as inflation has been hitting all sectors and the food industry in particular is getting uh, definitely squeezed as, because it's always really thin margins there. And so how does this model play out in a situation where we might be going into a bit of a recession and, and people are getting squeezed uh, from both ends there. Yeah. I, I think it, you know, just like everything in a, in a recession, you're, you're going to have to deal with the, the ups and downs of, of local markets. So I'm, I'm sure we'll see uh, a, a little bit of a drop depending on where people's you know pocketbooks and, and um, where their routines kind of change. Like if, if people start to start to go, you know, a little bit more to cooking their own food, right. Versus something yeah. else. Then, um, how are we, you know, how are we changing accordingly? And a, a big part of that we've seen over the, over the next year is just pushing into a, a little bit more of a, of a catered experience. And in some cases, um, adding on top of the exposure that each one of the brands gets and, uh, and making sure that we're just paying close attention to, to what the chef's needs are 
um, if there's any way for us to to bundle services or negotiate things down, we would do that as well. We only have four different restaurant tours, but we've been able to do that on third party and then also with uh, with some of the suppliers that that come in. So for us to continue to do that, um, especially with the next location coming up, is pretty important to try to share a little bit of the the, the cost. Um, yeah. And, and try to reduce them because it, you know, there's not much that we can do there besides um, negotiate a, yeah. a little bit better with, with the, the groups that, that are, are supplying the chefs that we work with. Yeah. And, I, and again, I, like I would think if there's any food service model out there that is going to be able to weather whatever economic storm maybe is in front of us, it's the model that you've created because you have the, sh- the, the shared cost, right? Uh, so you don't have the same level of overhead as an individual entrepreneur, uh, restaurateur, entrepreneur. And then also uh, the, I never even thought about that in terms of you guys being able to negotiate collectively some of the supplies and consolidating that and so on. So yeah, like it, it just, it sounds like it would be a much more affordable way. So when cost control is going to be of utmost importance over the next, uh, you know, number of months, it's definitely uh, your model is, is set up totally. for success there. So we're, yeah. we're excited to get, uh, to get down to station park as, as well, like to be on, yeah. on this side of the river. Um, cause as you said, you might only be going down there, you know, once, <laughs> once when a, when an event happens. So I think downtown is still starting to feel it's, it's recovery out and, and, yeah. uh, and businesses are still starting to figure out, do they want to force people back into the office or are they going to, they going to maintain, are they going to maintain kind of a ratio and two to three, uh, in the office and, and remote, um, so while it's still figuring itself out, I think it'll be really nice to to get down into White Ave and on this side of the the river and and still work with a lot of those you know local crowds that are here because um, downtown just kind of has that that sort of vibe as well. So so yeah. uh, excited about that and to, and to show off some other chefs as well. I mean we are always going to have um, the groups that we deal with and we'll always give them first uh, first crack and then. And then outside of that, there's a lot of other great chefs that have reached out to us. So we're, we're looking at a few different options for how, how to use the demo kitchen that's coming up um, at Station Park to run some events, to show their skills off, um, and to do a few things that are, are kind of on our off day at, at Fifth Street. So that again, you know, creating some draw, because if, if it does have to be an event to get you downtown, fair enough. Like, let's create some. So that's, yeah. I think that's a really unique thing to get down and to have a, a specialized dinner with a, you know, a well-known chef um, on kind of an off day and, and do something exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really exciting. And I think what you guys are creating here, especially as you start to expand, it's just going to really change the landscape in terms of uh, especially the, the newer chefs that are emerging. And, you know, we have such a foodie city now. Uh, Nate has done such an incredible job with culinary school. Um, And so there's so much talent coming out, um, getting some experience in other restaurants and then wanting to start their own thing. And and like you said, it's just cost prohibitive. And so this is a better model for that. And so to the, the creativity in the food scene here is just going to really, I think, get ratcheted up to a next level because you're going to be able to help so many more people start so that's really cool, and and you must be really proud of that. Now, in terms of the the 
you know, your entrepreneurial journey itself. And you were talking about iterations, right? Uh, yeah. A fair bit there when we we're talking about the three things that uh, you think every entrepreneur needs to know. And so I'm curious, when you first started Just Cook Kitchens to where it is now, listening to the consumers, listening to the chefs, what are some of the iterations that you've done that you think were kind of like the most uh, you were surprised by or that you didn't anticipate? I'm just curious if there's anything where it's like, huh, I never saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. there, there's always lots. It's, it's just a, a lifelong learning. Um, so right away, we looked at uh, we looked at how could we do things that are a little bit more, you know, containerized, um, a little bit smaller that didn't have these communal elements. And we saw uh, Reef and, and a couple other groups that were doing that, like get kicked out of the city, essentially, at, at one point or another. Um, uh, temporarily, I'm sure, but but um, it just it had this very ghost kitchen feel and, and hospitality. Turns out, is <laughs> still is still a primary component, and so we came in with certain assumptions around where things were going, the way that uh, ghost kitchens had been presented, and and the, the way things were were going to go there. Um, and a lot of that's just changed. It's because we came out of the pandemic people still want to interact and as much as they're going to do things at home, you know, they're out and they'll go through drive through or they'll, or they'll actually go and drive to a restaurant, but they'll just do some of these things like around their, their home or they'll go out to events. Like nobody's slowed down in terms of events. Like every, every concert that we've been to, the yep. things are sold out. It's um, yeah, it's maybe not like T Swift levels, but it's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty close. So, <laughs> so we, uh, yeah. Uh, we've we found that to be um, uh, just a just a you know a great a great learning lesson for us is like it, it really does all come down to this hospitality element and, and what people experience and so um, one of our one of our things that that we thought the world was moving to and it seems to be just more so in fast food was it was a form of automation right like a much heavier form of automation um, and. Although I do think it is coming and, and there are certain things, it only works in certain use cases. And, it, and it, it tends to be maybe just that fast food, like the McDonald's has a fully automated um, McDonald's in Texas. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Taco Bell has like a two layered where it sends down a dumbwaiter from upstairs down and that a lot of that's automated. Um, hmm. But I think when you when you still have some artistry attached to it, uh, the two don't really jive <laughs> very well. And so you went there expecting a little bit more service and a little bit more hospitality. And you still wanted the warmth and you still wanted that enjoyment. And the, and the two don't really blend. And so you're either sitting in sort of that fast food area or you're not. And I, I think that's that's something that we, we sort of pulled back from is, um, is it going to be all ordering kiosks and everything over time? No, probably not. <laughs> you know, that's it's probably not going to be people's default. And yeah, they still want to talk to someone and they still they still want to have some interaction. So so where does technology play in that world? Um, and, and I think what it comes down to is just just really about enablement. So how do we enable, uh, you know, some different different ways to offer your services? Right. Rather than rather than the form of interaction like mm -hmm. that can, that, 
you can use a card or you can use cash, whatever it happens to be, but you still like the human interaction. It still happens. So, so yeah. we'll look at other ways, other ways of, can we make something easier? You know, can we make the, the catering or a private dinner or anything? Can we make those simpler? And that's, that's sort of what's changed in our thinking is it's not about, it's not about the, the front of house people not existing and it being a kiosk and it being a, you know, robotic servers and everything. I saw the amount of backlash that other groups got just for testing them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it, it doesn't seem to be the case. If, if we were going into a fast food only landscape, I'd say, Hey, sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> because, yeah. because it's not as much about the experience is more so about the cost and it's more so about the, the convenience element and being consistent, right? Like you go to McDonald's, not because of the highest class burger, but because you already know what you're getting. You've got this consistent element that you're, you're already bought into. All you need to do is basically smell it and that addiction is triggered. Right. And, and so you're, you're going to go and, and, and get what you came for, but it's not going to be, you know, it's not for the experience half the time. I bet you, you don't go inside, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's drive through or nothing. Yeah. And so you're okay yeah, to right. take it home. Right. <laughs> and, you're, yeah. and you're not going to worry about the lighting and, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's yellow and red anyways. Like it's, it's designed to, to make you, make you act. So, um, yeah, those are so, our big things when we came in. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I can see how uh, the desire or the, um, uh, the temptation to go down that road of automation uh, was yeah. definitely there at the beginning with, with the concept, right? Because a lot of what you're trying to do is reduce those costs for the chefs. Right. Yeah, and so, exactly. yeah, trying to figure out a means to do that. And then you get to a, a friction point where it's like, no, you can't go any farther than this. Yeah. Otherwise you lose the turns out experience. customers don't like it, you know? And, yeah. and, yeah. and we, we started off with like a downloadable app. So we went, okay, well, this is the easiest one um, uh, to have have all your info in there and to have the delivery and everything. We ran our own delivery for the first like year, um, and and we, we got people raving about it because like we just we were always on time, and we we always had really good communications with them. Um, but it, it does. There's a friction point. Like the friction point is, at what point do I download this thing? Do I do yeah. I need to download it in order to get the food? Um, if that is a requirement, that's a huge friction point. People are, people are fickle at that point. You, you really want what you want and you're used to a certain interaction. It's funny. We like, we, we work off of paper and then we, you know, normally talk to someone and, and that's, and that we haven't really gotten away from. So we knew that we were going to have to move into, all right, hybrid it, go, you know, full service directly. Don't worry about the automation quite as much. Uh, that could just ruin the experience. And let's just give people like what they're actually looking for and, and not, not try to uh, impress something else upon them because that's not really how things work. And so, you know, behavior changes kind of come, but they do not come that swiftly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. do, do things part and parcel. Uh, you know, never try to change your, your, uh, your your clients or 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 your customers' behavior without them actually wanting it in yeah, some way. Totally. Yeah. So I I'm curious because when we were talking early on about like some of the the three things that you think everybody needs to know, you brought up uh, Peter Thiel and you're referencing you know some some books, some authors, some 
thought leaders that uh, you obviously have been listening to or reading. Um, where do you get your inspiration? Um, what inspires you? Is it is it learning from some of these other people? Is it uh, you know the uh, other other avenues of inspiration? Where do you get your entrepreneurial yeah. inspiration? It comes from a, a lot of different places. I, I never stop like I never stop reading on, up on, um, yeah. and, and and that can sound like such a such a cliche um, where like I don't have like a, a you know a bookshelf behind a Lamborghini in a in a garage or something because that's that's what I've seen on YouTube and these other things so so often so it's just awful. <laughs> um, I, I never stop reading through like the the news and listening to different podcasts so. I spend probably way too much time on LinkedIn versus something like Instagram. And, and I've found that my whole feed is just now curated to what I actually really like, which mm. follow a lot of entrepreneurs. And I follow a lot of entrepreneurs that are in these food tech spaces and prop tech spaces. And, and so I, I like to keep paying attention to, to where things are starting to trend to or where they're starting to go. And then never assuming that I have a you know full picture of, of what's, what's truly going on. You know, blinders are always up in some, some way, shape or form. And so, um, when, when I start to come up with, uh, with an idea or an assumption, it's, it's then, then testing against people <laughs> right away. So trying to talk to them, they'll either say that I'm, you know, way off base or, or no, that sounds like that'll, that'll start to work. And so I can, I can adventure a little bit more. I put together, you know, um, just a wide array from, from interesting and, you know, kind of creative and, and, uh, curious characters that I really look up to. Um, that's, that's my mashup is, is finding, you know, the, uh, the interesting scientists from back in the day, like, like Richard Feynman and this like incredible, um, uh, ability to stay curious, you know, well into his later years and to, to never assume anyone is, is is 100% correct or brilliant uh just because they're using you know jargon or or terms about it if you can't you can't break it down into its simplest principles and explain it to somebody that's you know like a 5 year old you probably don't understand it well enough um mm -hmm. and and I love that kind of inspiration because it's it's about just you know questioning the norms like, is this why people do things and is it just that uh we've done it forever and so we we respect it as some kind of gospel, you know, or is it that it's just too hard to change it? And, mm -hmm. and a lot of the people I tend to follow or look up to seem to have that kind of mentality is, is questioning the obvious. And so I'll annoy my wife and, you know, other people I hang around with, cause I'll, I'll, I'll do that with everything. <laughs> when we're, when we're out, I'll ask questions about stuff and, and I wonder why that thing works that way. And so I'm okay with being a little bit annoying and, and, you know, forever curious about, about things that seem, um, obvious at surface level. But when you start asking deeper questions about them, nobody really understands why it originated that way. And that, that happens a lot. Like bureaucracies yeah. never die. Right. <laughs> For yeah. that very yeah. reason, no one questions it. <laughs> so, Yeah. 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 And I, I, I love that. And that's one of the things that like really early on in my, you know, managerial uh, career, I guess, when, when I stepped into management, I read a book and I can't even remember what it was called now, but it was, uh, it might've just been why, because it, it was, 
the advice that they were giving was uh, to always ask, you know, why five times, right? Totally. So minimum yeah. of five times. And, and so it's, it, and that would help then the person who's coming to you with the problem. Um, I basically identified the solution themselves and, and is that but a it's six entrepreneurs. Sigma? It might be something like six Sigma. It's a, is like a, you know, Toyota uh, manufacturing theory to get down to what is the, what is the true root problem? Yeah. The right? most essential uh, yeah. element, right? Yeah. 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 And so, so it's something that is very much what you're talking about is, is uh, if you have that curiosity where you're just naturally asking the why all the time, well, why is it this way? Or why is it working that way? And, uh, and, and just being curious about it. That's where those iterations come in that you're uh, you exactly. know, so focused on and, and so obviously good at creating. And, and again, just the model that you are, are creating here with your partner is just, it, it's such an iteration of, you know, the food service business. And so yeah, pivot is maybe a little too strong. I mean, it is, there's pivoting going it's on within there, yeah. but the iteration <laughs> that's happening is where you're finding your success. And, and uh, it's great. I, I really am inspired to, by your story. And so I just want to really thank you, Luke, for coming on the show today and, and sharing it with us. And hopefully this inspires some other people to really look at their businesses and ask those, those whys or look at the industry. Why is it done this way? Can I find an iterative improvement here and, uh, and slowly work at it? Right. And that's because there's some pain, you know, yeah. is there some pain there too? Is it, was yeah. it annoying to go through the process you went through? Did it yeah. seem kind of asinine that you had this many steps? I mean, all of those things, typically there's, you know, it's, it's the way it works now, yeah. but maybe you're the one to change it and, totally. and maybe you're not, yeah. but you'll find that out by asking why and then, and then going through the exercise. And so that's, that's, yeah. uh, uh, kids are really good at, I remember Carl Sagan <laughs> saying that, right? Yeah. Carl Sagan said it, it, it uh, kids will ask profound, deep questions about everything. Um, and then later on, you just like a, kind of assume uh, that everything's the way it is and you stop asking these profound questions. And, uh, and I think it's, it's, it's great. It's very healthy to get back to that, like unlock that childish curiosity. Somebody might, you know, snap back really quick with an answer, but I bet you it's surface level because it's not... It's not very hard to dig into things that because they didn't create it. If they created it, they can go all the way down. But they can probably also give you the simplest explanation as well. Yeah. There's a lot of people that will defend things with pure jargon. And so I think yeah, yeah. It, those kinds of people, the, the Carl Sagan's and the Feynman's and everything, Neil deGrasse Tyson, his, uh, his, uh, totally, you know, his, his go-to in, in this generation of science, that's what they're going to push because it's just great ask yeah. more questions, right? Yeah. Totally. And, then, and then execute on it. If, if you want to do something about it and that's what entrepreneurship is, is just the action, you know, on top of that problem and your hypothesis as to, as to why this thing is and how it could change. So yeah. How you can improve upon it. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you again, Luke. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And if anybody wanted to reach out to you or to, you know, find out more about just cook yeah. kitchens, what's the best way for them to do it? Uh, I think just through, uh, through emails, probably best at Luke uh, at just cook dot kitchen. Nice and simple. 
Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And thank you everybody who have uh, stuck around to the end of this episode. If you like this Appreciate one and you it. want to check out the archives, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find all of our interviews in the video format. And then if you prefer the audio only version, uh, just search Amplify Your Business on your favorite podcasting platform and you're going to find us there. Until the next show, everybody have a prosperous day. And thank you again very much, Luke.